Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Hey, welcome to Mountain View Fellowship. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, We are in a series that's a little bit different. We've got all four of our pastors on the stage here. Uh, If you've been here for the last few weeks, um, you know how this works. So what we did is uh, through the month of January, we said we wanted to answer your questions And so we asked for you to send in uh, any question that you had about Christianity, about faith, about your walk with Christ. And then what we did is we sat down and we actually uh, put all the questions together and formulated uh, kind of some topics, some some main topics that a lot of the questions fell into. And what we've been doing over the last few weeks is trying to get to a place where we're actually answering all of those questions. And so uh, that's, that's why we're set up this way. It's a little bit different, I know. Uh, but hopefully this will, uh, this will help you. Our goal in this entire series is to help strengthen your foundation, uh, to strengthen you in your walk with Christ, to strengthen your faith, and so uh, maybe to answer some of the questions that really nag at you, or maybe you've had uh, people ask you questions that you have not been able to answer. And uh, one of the things that we're doing here is we're staying right with the Word, we're staying right with Scripture, we're trying to share with you what Scripture says uh, and try not to go outside of that. And so uh, you're going to hear us many times say, uh, you know, that here's what it says. You can make an argument for this or you can make an argument for that. Uh, we're not doing this series because we have all of the questions. Uh, I joke around all the time about that ask anything number up there. Uh, it, you can ask anything. It doesn't mean that we know everything. All right. So we're going to tell you what we see in Scripture and how, um, you know, uh, maybe the different arguments in Scripture, and we're going to share that with you in, in hopes of, of just strengthening your, your walk with Christ and strengthening your foundation in Christ. So uh, with that being said, uh, we want to welcome each and every one of you. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, this is uh, Pastor Mike. He is our growth pastor. He is in charge of uh, discipleship, life groups, things like that here. Pastor Hunter's sitting next to him, and he's our youth pastor. He deals with all the, the munchkins here, all the young ones, uh, all the young people and uh, all the way up through high school, and so uh, he's blessed to, to kind of bring them up and, and help set, uh, set them strong in their foundation before they head off to college. And then, of course, Pastor Ryan's next to me. He's our missions and outreach pastor. So anything that has to do with evangelism, anything that has to do with mi- missions, whether it's right here in our backyard or on the other side of the globe, uh, Pastor Ryan takes care of all that. And then uh, I'm Pastor Don. I have the honor of being your lead pastor here. And so today, uh, we're going to dive into it. I'm going to turn it over to Mike. And I think we we're going to try to clarify something from last week, and, and then we'll jump into our questions. So, Yeah, uh, last week, uh, one of the things we talked about was um, this thought of where, what happens when you die and what's going to happen at the end of the age. And, and we said some things, and, and I just want to clarify a little bit because we had a number of questions, and so I just want to make sure that we're, we're all on the same page. Um, how many of you right now without looking at your watch or your phone would know pretty close what time it is, Right? quite a few of us, right? And that's, that's part of our culture. We tend to be very time-oriented. Um, and yet, just so you know, the Bible and the culture that, that the Bible was originally written to wasn't nearly as time-oriented as we are. 
And so as we read the Bible, we always want to know what happens next, what exactly happens, what's the order, all of that. And they weren't as worried about that. Um, and so that's some of the thing that happens when we talked about what happens when we die and what's next is it's not as well described as we in our culture would want it to be. And yet we're okay with some things from time to time. For instance, we, we all know that Jesus died for us. He died 2,000 years ago. And when he died, at that point, he was taking care of dying for all of our sins in our own lives, the things that we've already done, the things that we're maybe doing now or, or soon, and then our sins in the future. And so in one sense, it's kind of weird that we're okay with that. Something that happened 2,000 years ago took care of things that already happened in our lives and things not yet. And so it's that not yet piece that I think that trips us up. And so let me just give you a, a couple quick things. One is um, even in the age that the, the Bible was written and when Jesus was, was on earth, um, people were confused when the kingdom was going to happen. The kingdom that they had in their mind was Jesus was coming to be this, this earthly king and, and kind of military, political ruler, um, kind of like King David was. And so when he came, when Jesus came, the thought was his kingdom is going to happen right then. And when it didn't happen immediately, they were kind of lost. And yet Jesus said some things about my kingdom is here now. And so there's this concept that the kingdom is now, but not yet. And we live in this kind of intermediate state where right now his kingdom is here. His kingdom is the fact that we can join him when we believe him, when we believe in him and give our lives to Christ, we're part of the kingdom. But the full kingdom won't happen until he comes back. Okay, does that kind of make sense, right? Another timing thing, um, John 3.16, we know that verse. It talks about that whoever believes in him will not perish. And the perish was not talking about death. The, the perish was talking about our eternal death. If, if we don't believe in Jesus, we go to hell. So there's this other thing that when we believe in Jesus, we are saved from eternal death, but we're not going to be fully saved until Jesus comes back. Starting to get it. There's this now, but not yet. And the same with forgiveness. And this was some of where the questions were that came in that I think people were, were not sure of. When you accept Christ at that moment, you are forgiven of your sins. But you're not fully, or maybe the completion of that forgiveness doesn't happen until Jesus arrives. The way I, I was thinking about it this week, just to give an example, when you write a check to somebody, you have paid them, right? But it takes a while for that check to actually clear the bank and, and everything to get taken care of. And that's kind of what happened. When we believe in Jesus, we're forgiven, but the check doesn't fully clear until we get to that final state, okay? And so hopefully that'll help kind of with some of the confusion that, that people had or just the clarification. I want to give you hope. When we get to that final judgment as believers, yes, our sins are going to be brought forward, but there's great hope because it's going to be a really easy trial. Basically, the things that we did are going to be brought up, and Jesus is going to say, my blood forgives you. We don't have to say anything more. It's taken care of. Mike, is uh, fully forgiven a good way to, to kind of phrase that? Because in the way that I've thought about it is it's almost like uh, my daughter getting a gift uh, before Christmas. She's fully received the gift, but she can't quite open it until Christmas morning. So we are we are fully forgiven, but we don't get that prize right. until after he, Jesus comes back. Yeah. Would that be kind that, of a good way to say it? That's a good it? way to say it. Yeah, okay. we're fully forgiven of our sins, but 
not yet, not complete, not finished, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully that clears it up. We're going to move on from death today, which is good. Yeah, we spent a lot of time in death last week. It was a little depressing, so. And, and we're going to move on to another happy topic. We're going to talk about suffering. <laughs> hey, these are your questions, all right? So. <laughs> yeah, one of the questions that came in was, uh, why does God allow tragedy in the world if he is completely sovereign? I first want to make a disclaimer that uh, when, when quoting Scripture this morning and sharing what I've gleaned from the Scripture and what the Holy Spirit has put on my heart in regards to how we can deal with suffering in regards to God's sovereignty, sovereignty is that I in no way desire to undermine anybody's suffering or to discount the suffering. Just even in case in point, yesterday we had a funeral here, and, and it, is, um, it is easy sometimes as pastors when, when we're at, or just individuals who might be at funerals regularly, where it tends to become um, a routine of sorts. But then... To witness the family's grief is a great reminder that that they are truly grieving, and we and we should we should be respectful of that and allow it to to take its course. So, with suffering, I, I want to make sure that I'm not um, just gliding over this, but I am going to try to answer it in regards to what what God and what what the Holy Spirit tell us in Scripture. And so, I want to first start. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, where it says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And I know Mike said we're done talking about death, but I might throw in a little bit here that um, when... And Don did a series, we had a series a while back called Beautiful Design, which talked about how God created Adam and Eve, and he created him with, with eternity in mind, that they were going to be with him in the garden for eternity until they made the decision to not be with him for eternity. And at that point is when suffering started. That is not something that God wanted, but just because of our free will, we were allowed to, we were allowed to choose at that point and then as, as such, then suffering came into the picture. So it all started then, and then it takes various shapes and forms today. There's, um, there's obviously suffering in regards to suffering for our faith. There's suffering in regards to loss of loved ones, um, loss of loved ones too early. Suffering regarding uh, world tragedies, you know, whether it's a, a, a tornadoes, hurricanes, anything of that nature. There's, there's a... There's a, a plethora of, of suffering, but I want to say that within Scripture, there, it, it, it's the umbrella that covers all of that suffering and how we deal with it. So uh, suffering can move us into, into action and compassion. And staying in that same book, in, in chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, we read that, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So, so God has displayed this comfort to us um, largely in his, his son, Christ. Here is a man who did absolutely nothing wrong and was 
was beaten and crucified, was, was the epitome of perfection, yet he suffered. And that suffering was for, for us, for what Mike was talking about, for the now and for eternity, that even though he did nothing wrong, yet he suffered. So in, in a way, when we have suffering that comes across our lives that, we, that seems mysterious to us or seems out of place, we have, we have Christ's example of how, how we ought to, to deal with that. And so in his suffering... Christ has provided us comfort and hope. And as such, in Scripture, it tells us that we are to become more and more like Christ each day. And, and if that's the case, then we ought to, when we are suffering, have the opportunity to be hope and comfort for those who are potentially going through similar sufferings. Um, next to that would be, um, what, what should our attitude be when we're going through the suffering? So I'll go, I'll go through three things here on what I believe our attitude should be when we're going through suffering. The first would be worship. God, you are the great and almighty God. I don't understand all the things that are happening in my life, but I trust you. Scripture tells us that we can trust God, and we can trust that, that he is going to bring good, and I'll get to that in a minute here. He's going to bring good in regards to that. The second thing is ask God to teach us all he would about him, ourselves, and others. And now we can minister to those who are suffering. So just as I was talking about how Christ showed us what to do while he was suffering, how he would then minister to us through, um, through compassion, that we are to do the same. The third is our attitude in suffering should glorify God. The world's eyes are on us as Christians. We should hope for them to be asking, how is it that Christ is so in control of our lives that they're able to respond in such a way that it ends up helping others? Like they should be, it, 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 it should be so preposterous to them as to our response when we're going through suffering because we have the great counselor and the great healer that's on our side. Um, in James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's a confusing statement. When we are in the midst of our suffering, it's hard to say we should consider this joy. But, the, but we have to... We have to kind of think of it in the light of who are we who are we glorifying in this in our suffering we're glorifying God but not only that he's going to continue to to minister to us through it for you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow and he goes on to say so let it grow let your endurance grow because then it brings about perfection um, so when we're when we're dealing with suffering again I'll, I'm, I want to circle back to the beginning it's okay to be grieving to go through the process of that and sometimes Whatever the situation is, it's going to seem completely mysterious to us. And there is no great answer as to why that specific thing happened to us this time in our lives. But that know that when we, when we persevere through our suffering, that it presents an opportunity for us to be the counselor to others, maybe even when they're going through theirs. Just to follow on that, there was a couple of questions of uh, specific cases of suffering and and why, why God may allow certain situations to go to happen. Um, do you want to say anything more about that? Or We teach uh, quite often, every time we go through something like that, the question that we always have is, why, does, why did God or why does God? And it's, it's interesting that um, we, we say we don't really believe in God, but when things go wrong, all of a sudden we believe in God. And, and so what I always try to teach is when you're going through something, if, if something happens or if something's going on that doesn't make sense, you, uh, we can point in usually 
two different directions. We can either point at God. Did God do this? Did he allow it? Most of the time, you're going to find out that's not. He should be clear down here to number four. But usually, it's, it's our own consequences for our own decisions, right? So we bring a lot of stuff on our own, um, on ourselves, by some of the decisions that we make. So that's the first one. Second one is um, it's a broken world, right? So we, uh, Ryan just talked about the fall of man, and here we are living in a broken world. We have suffering. There's disease. There's you know, the loss of life, all these things that God did not originally plan, and yet we go through those things. And so the second option is it's consequences just for being in a broken world. And then uh, thirdly, I would say Satan. Um, you know, the old Satan made me do it or what, you know, that sometimes we overuse that. But we, when we look at Scripture, you do have to acknowledge from Scripture that there is a battle going on. And even Jesus was led into, you know, the wilderness to be tempted. And, and there, there's, a, there's a, an evil spiritual battle going on for your soul to lead you away from God. So is it Satan? Sometimes, yes. And then, of course, the last one is, is God. And so uh, our own consequences, broken world, Satan, or God. Those are the four options that you have as to when you go through this kind of stuff. And, and asking that question is always important, but we always go straight to God. God, why did you do this? Why are you allowing this? And then, and then you, when you back up and you realize, well, I kind of made a stupid decision and it's consequences that I'm going through, but I'm blaming it on God. And or, you know, it's, it's just a broken world. We live in a broken world, and, and we're going through this because of that. And, and God didn't really desire this. This wasn't his original plan, but this is what's going on. And so when you, when you start to kind of lay it out that way, it helps you to make sense of some of the suffering that you see around you. Um, is there real evil? Is Satan doing it? Well, yeah. And Satan's using people to do horrible things all the time. Some of you have had horrific things happen to you by other people, evil people. Now, the question with that is, what do we do with that? And, and just like Ryan said, we, we give it back to God is what we do. Because when we give it back to God, no matter how ugly it is, no matter how messed up it is, God can take it and do something amazing with it. And you, there's so many stories within this room of you guys that have gone through suffering, you've gone through hor- horrific things in your life, but yet given it back to God. And you've seen how God has made, taken something so ugly and nasty and broken and and made it whole and beautiful in the way that he's used it in your life. And so, and the reason for that, while we were talking, all four of us have been through stuff probably similar to you. Uh, if, if not me, then Ryan. If not Ryan, you know, we, we've all gone through our own stuff, and, and each of us sitting at this table represents some horrible, horrible situations. And yet, we've seen God move and work in that, and so we'd love to talk to you about that. Well, and I think one thing to to also keep bear in mind is that um, out of that Second Corinthians four seventeen through eighteen, uh, what 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 sticks out to me is for our present troubles are small, and won't last very long. So we we weigh all of this in eternity. Like when when we look at why we were created, we were to spend eternity with God, to love Him and glorify Him. And if that's, if that's the end game, if that's the picture, is that we're spending eternity with our Creator, the suffering that happens here, I mean, Scripture refers to our life here as but a blade of grass, right? And so it's, it's so short, and it even touches on, again, Mike's idea or discussion about time, right? I mean, eternity is huge. Try just wrapping our mind around eternity, but that, that's, that's our end game, that we're to spend eternity with God to where that suffering that we have here is is so short and again i'm I'm not wanting to 
you know, gloss over it or dismiss it, but to, to, to kind of bathe it in the light of what Christ has shown us of how we are to respond when we do come across suffering. And that's actually a great segue, I think, right into the next one, because they're, they're, we had a lot of questions on these two subjects. I mean, a lot. And so... And the other subject is healing, and different forms is just why aren't people being healed, right? That was right. kind of the base of a lot of those questions. Um, one thing to keep in mind with healing, again, it's, it's the perspective that God has on, on our lives here. You know, life is unfair, but God is just. God is merciful, and we have to lean into that. Um, with healing, when Jesus was going around and doing healing and stuff, if you read the stories like uh, Mark chapter 2, um, some guys bring, bring a friend to Jesus. They lower him through a roof. It's a pretty cool story. Um, the first thing that Jesus says to them is, your sins are forgiven. And, and I'm sure for us, we'd be probably sitting there too going, wait, he, he didn't heal the guy. He just said, your sins are forgiven. In Christ's perspective, the spiritual healing that we all need is the focus. That is the paramount thing because that determines our eternity. If we're not spiritually healed, then we're lost. And so it, it starts there. And then the other piece on, on healing, um, I've, I've kind of been taught that it, it looks at it in two ways. There's and it all depends on whether you're a believer or not. So physical healing, if you're an unbeliever, is always about God's glory. It's to allow people to see God in action in our world today, see the miraculous, and to question, is there something more to this life than what I see, and could God be real? That's why physical healing happens for unbelievers. For believers, we get healed purely for ministry reasons. It allows us to do kingdom work. It allows us to to step into situations and do things that we wouldn't otherwise be able to because now we have this witness in this story. And, and so just that might help us a little bit to understand why sometimes we're not healed is maybe we're not ready to use that healing for ministry if we're a believer. And I think, you know, a lot of the questions that we got, uh, just to answer them succinctly, uh, you know, is it wrong to want to be healed? No. Is it wrong to pray for healing? No. That's not at all. And, and I think some of that is, is good for us because that causes us to lean into God. Does healing always happen because you pray uh, you know, or because you're a believer? Or Absolutely not. And, and there are some uh, denominations that will teach if you have enough faith, you can be healed. I don't see that in Scripture at all. And for a lot of reasons. I mean, the disciples were given the authority to heal and cast out demons, and then they're sent out, and they come back, and, and some of them are like, well, we we couldn't cast this demon out or we couldn't heal this person. Why is that? And so they were even given the power by Jesus himself and, and some of it didn't happen. Uh, and then if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7, 7 through 10, what you'll find out is the Apostle Paul writes extensively about here he is a disciple of Jesus Christ doing the work of God and yet he's praying for healing and it's denied. And so even Paul himself went through this, and God's response to him is, my grace is sufficient for you. That's what he says. It's not about healing. It's just what Mike said. It's about leaning into God, being close to God, and about that eternal healing. It's not about that physical healing. And in, in Paul's case, he wasn't healed for ministry, right? Right. I mean, uh, he, he writes about that in there, that he was not healed. And because of that, it keeps him humble. It keeps him on his knees. It keeps him dependent on God. If he was healed, it might have gone to his head. Exactly. And I, 
Well, and it provides, like Donna's saying, some some great opportunities. Uh, just, I'm sure you guys can think of different things in your life that have gone on. For me personally, I had just kind of a sickness overtake me, and I had to go on for some different treatments over time. Uh, and I quickly found out that the same nurses were kind of overseeing the treatments and got to talking with them uh, and was able to, to just really kind of speak uh, the gospel to these nurses over my seven, eight weeks that I was having these treatments done. And it was uh, it was one of those things that I knew in that moment that's exactly why I had this kind of temporary frustration in my life despite uh, my pain and, and frustration with it. So absolutely. Just fostering relationships through, a, yeah, opening doors because of it that we wouldn't normally have. Uh, the line that I really like is that scars declare that Jesus is our healer. So I love that. It's through our, our weakness, it's through uh, that, that he's made strong, it's through our suffering that the world around us gets to see who Jesus is, as odd as that sounds. I know that's so counterintuitive for so many people, especially if you don't know Jesus, that just doesn't make any sense. But when you draw close to our, our Savior, who sacrificed himself, who went to the cross for us, and you see how, um, how he paid the price for us to be made right with God, and then to, to see all that and understand all that, and then to go, God, why am I always dealing with these headaches? You know, I, sometimes I, I, I know for myself, I feel like a hypocrite many times. God, I'm just not feeling 100%. I'm so sick of this cough. I'm so sick of, you know, or whatever. And then I realize who I'm talking to, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's not that big of a deal, especially in light of eternity, right? And so uh, I think uh, to kind of wrap it up, just I think it's our suffering that, that we connect with people on. Uh, our victories and things like that, we celebrate that with other people, but it's our suffering, it's our our illnesses that we really deeply connect with the people around us. And uh, that's where God shows up. And I, I always say it this way, I've never experienced a great moment of growth spiritually through a good time, through victory. My greatest spiritual growth has always come through my suffering, through, through tragedy, through uh, sickness, through whatever it is that I'm going through, of just, just drawing close to God, being on my knees and, and crying out to him more, the, those are the moments that I draw closest to God. Because when things are going right, I tend to be on my own agenda and, and going my own way. Can I say one more thing on it? Uh, if you're not going through some kind of tragedy or suffering, then that doesn't mean that you can't be growing in God as much as right. those who are. But those of you who are, keep in mind that the perspective you have will will show the posture of your heart. Uh, we can be frustrated, we can be upset, or we can recognize that the eternity is the goal, right? And, and be content with what God has given us right now uh, and be excited that we have new opportunities, even if they are semi-painful ones. Um, but we have to have that positive outlook and that joy for what's to come if we're to really grow uh, we can't spend our whole life sulking in our, uh, in our tragedies and our suffering and expect God to grow us up. And I would say to reiterate, just go back to what you said before, which is it's all about forgiveness of sins. It's about eternal healing. And, and I even liken it to Lazarus. You know, Jesus went and stood in front of Lazarus' tomb and he wept. He took it in and he raised him from the dead. And we look at that scripture and we're all like, oh, that's awesome. 
But if you really take that story for what it's worth, you look at it. And, and it even says, when he's raising him from the dead, he says, I, I, I do this so that you might know, that, so that they might know that you sent me. He's, he's praying that these people around me might know that you actually sent me as your son. That's why he raises him from the dead. It's not, not so Lazarus can, can come back to his family. And the kicker about that whole story is he raises him from the grave and he walks out of the tomb and we celebrate that only for him, what? To die later again, right? And so even ultimate healing doesn't get us anything in this life. It's about that eternal, uh, that eternal um, forgiveness of sins. I'm sorry. Go for it. Oh, you're good. Did you want to share that? Sure. Just in, in perspective, God's perspective on things. Right. And um, I've got kind of a, a, a recent story just to share for a moment that might help kind of with some of this. Um, uh, we have some uh, dear family friends, um, a young gal that's in her, her kind of late 20s that dated one of my sons for a little while. And, and uh, she recently got married a little more than a year ago. And uh, three weeks ago, uh, she delivered their, their first child. Um, completely as a surprise, something happened at the very end, and the, the baby was delivered stillborn. Um, she has a, her and her husband have an incredibly deep faith in God, and they are really leaning into him right now to kind of get them through this. Um, their plans are, he's, he's uh, an Ethiopian, he was adopted, brought to the U.S., and, and he wanted to return. Their plans were to go to Ethiopia to, to run a ministry. She's been training for a couple of years to be a doula, a midwife, to be able to deliver babies. In our way of looking at this, um, and of course, it's way too soon for us to say anything to her about this, but just looking at it, I mean, they were planning to go do ministry in the developing world where one out of four or five children do die and are born stillborn. Um, not to minimize their pain, but it's going to be used. She's going to have a whole new perspective as she is ministering to ladies and, and going to different places to live or babies. She's going to completely understand and be able to help these ladies in a new way. Um, did God make that happen? Did he orchestrate that? No. I don't think he did. I mean, that's part of the, the fallen world we live in. Um, Sometimes people talk about, did, you didn't mention Romans eight twenty eight, no, but I mean, there's a, there's a verse, you know, God works all things for the good of those who believe in him. Sometimes we take that completely out of perspective. Um, I think this is an example of that perspective. Something really bad, suffering, horrible, he's going to use it so that he can be glorified. And, um, and again, when people go through suffering, the best thing you can do is what's called the ministry of presence. Sometimes we just need to be with them give them a shoulder to cry on and stuff. Don't try to give them answers. Don't try to give them things of, oh, well, God's there. Just be there for them. And God's going to give you the words over time, but just slow yourself down trying to answer and provide why things happen, right? Okay. Every, everybody on. take a deep breath for a moment. <sighs> okay, now we get to move on to some better stuff, which is just kind of talking about some general questions about MVF. Um, things that are going on here, ministries and things like that that you guys had that we wanted to answer. An easy one to start with is why don't we have Wednesday night verse-by-verse -verse Bible study? And the truth is we do. It's on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. They're called life groups. 
Um, so if you want to join that kind of Bible study, we're, we're in particular life groups are walking through Mark right now. Um, if you're a lady, there's Tuesday morning and Tuesday night with the women's ministry. They're walking through Romans at the moment. And then men's ministry is about to kick off some 5 a.m. For those guys who have to drive into town really early, we're going to have some 5 a.m. walk through Mark's on potentially Tuesday. Tuesday, Thursday, th- maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday, men- yeah. So, um, so if you're interested in those, let us know. But there are lots of opportunities already in place versus us creating something new. So just jump into those. And traders, that's right, traders for youth on Monday night and Wednesday night, you guys walk through that as well. So, all right, one of the other questions was, what groups can use the church building? Um, before getting into the logistics, I wanted to, and I, and I went around asking some of the staff just to make sure I had, a, um, had the list correct. I wanted to celebrate stuff that, that has happened, ministry that has happened since God has allowed us to open this building. So just a few examples, if you'll bear with me. We have the, as Mike even just said, the women's Bible study on Tuesday morning and Tuesday evening. Mops meets here on Wednesdays. We have women's breakfasts that meet monthly. The women's events that they do, movie nights, uh, their annual women's uh, celebration event around Christmas. Men's ministry has men's breakfast. Uh, every, every month we meet and have a breakfast. And then there's also, uh, that's here at the building. There's a youth group that meets here throughout the week. We have prayer nights that are here, celebration services, life recovery, grief share, financial peace university, expedition, which is the walk through Mark that Mike just talked about, school talent shows and choir concerts. We've developed a relationship with the school where they use the facility to do their choir concerts and their talent shows, uh, various type of meetings throughout the week, weddings, funerals, appreciation dinners, birthday parties, bridal baby showers, basketball games, practices, Friday fun days, Easter packing parties, Emergency location for Prairie Creek Living Center and Strasburg Schools, and even counseling. So that's that's a list. I don't know if it's if, if it's complete, but it's a list of things that have been happening in the building. Onto the logistics is that if you were to go to our website and you were to click uh, or to the MVF website, sorry, and click on the info tab. Underneath the info tab, you would find the the building use policy, which lays out what the policy is to to have a an event or. Uh, a meeting here, and it, it lays it all out in the policy. In conjunction with that, we ask that you fill out a, a building use form. And then that, what that does is it, it, it puts in there the requested date, the things that you might need for the event, and, and any, any of the, any of the uh, let's see, date requested, alternate dates. A, a critical one is alternate dates. Sorry, I, I went over that. So, so sometimes... It, it all has to coordinate with our church calendar. So of these things that I just listed, most of those are recurring. And so we want to make sure that if you're requesting to use the facility, that it's not going to coincide with, with an event to where it won't happen. So we, 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 we ask that you would give alternate dates so that we would be able to hopefully accommodate that. But, but it's available. The, the building's available. There are some, some certain hard no's. There are some absolutes. But those are, I don't want to go through them per se, but they're, they're definitely on the building use uh, policy. So if, if you if you think that it might not be something that we could use a building for, it should be listed in the policy. So the short answer is almost anybody can use our building. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. 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 Almost. almost. And, and we did we did get some questions about why do we have a building of policy and everything else, and why do you have to do this? Um, and the short answer, without getting into all the politics of it, is because um, if we don't, then Anyone can come in and use the facility. 
and we, we don't have any grounds to keep anybody out that is counter to what our theology is here. Did I say that tactfully enough? Okay, so that's the reason why we had to do this, and, and we sought a lot of counsel in that, and that's how this, this form came about. So, okay. All right. Um, what is the role of the elders at MVF? Uh, the role of elders at MVF, we, uh, first thing first, the church belongs to Christ and Christ alone. And so as pastors and elders, we, uh, we are just stewards. We're just trying to do the best that we can to keep this church on the heels of Jesus Christ and wherever he's going. That's all we're doing. And so what we, we have actually looked at 1 Timothy 3, Romans 12, Acts 14, Titus uh, 1, and, and what we've done is we've kind of established what from biblical um, standards, what an elder should be and how they should live their life. And, and what we find out is that uh, elders are mature men, they're overseers, they're teachers, they're stewards, they're caretakers, and they're leaders within the church. Uh, they're men of faith who um, have an understanding of, of Scripture, of uh, theology. They're men who are committed to this body, of, of leading this body. They live exemplary lives. They're men of faith who, who have integrity they, um, their character is displayed. They have spiritual maturity. They're experienced enough to evangelize and disciple, which just means to, to lead somebody to Christ, to grow them up in Christ. Uh, when we say teachers, it's not, you know, getting up in front of you guys and teaching. Uh, it's actually teaching in like one-on-one, -on -one, just leading people to Christ and being able to, to grow them up in Christ. And so uh, I, think, I think really elders are people who have uh, concern for every member of the body and their shepherds. They take care of the body. Uh, their role, uh, specifically, I think the question was, what's the role? If you're asking for, uh, those are the qualifications. If you're asking for the role, I would say that uh, what we see in Scripture is that they pray. Uh, they lay hands on people. They anoint people. They, they pray for the sick. They, they lead. They teach. They protect. They admonish. So if there's a dispute within the church, they're their job is to get involved and to try to bring it to a godly uh, resolution. Uh, they shepherd the flock. They, they assure doctrine. So they, they keep me in check or in the pastors. They try to make sure that we stay true to Scripture. Uh, they, they help with direction of the church. Um, I think elders should be prayer warriors. Uh, teachers keeps coming up over and over again, but that's a big part of what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so they're prayer warriors. They're teachers. They're servant leaders. Uh, they're examples of discipleship, and they're peacemakers within the body. That's the role of elders. Do they walk on water? They don't. Uh, we've tried. Um, it doesn't work. But they, they are, um, your elders are amazing people. And if you're an elder or prospective elder, would you stand for us right now, please, so that you know who they are? Uh, there's one in the back, one up here, one here, one here. So we got four of them in here. Oh, five. Ron's in the back. Six, actually. One's running the sound for us. Yeah, there you go. So servant leaders. And so these are your elders. And so um, we have a great board of elders. Yes. Um, we are very blessed by our elders here. And they, they do a fantastic job of just making sure that we're staying just as close to Christ as we can in everything that we do and uh, the direction of the church. And so did I... Sure. Uh, some of the other questions that we got had to do with uh, women being in leadership here at the church. 
uh, women being pastors, women being elders, things like that. And so uh, I wrote this down. I want to read it because I want to make sure that you understand my heart in this. Because if I said, here's what I would say. Um, we don't see in Scripture uh, women as pastors or women as elders. Now, when I say it that way, people get very upset sometimes. They're like, whoa, time out. And so let me, let me kind of share with you our heart here. Uh, we see in Scripture that there's, uh, neither gender has been given an entitlement uh, to be greater than the other. That's not what this is about at all. Whether it's at home, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the kingdom of God, uh, we're not to rule over one another. Uh, both men and women are needed and they're necessary for the health and ministry of the church. And you're going to hear this a lot next month in the series that we're going to do uh, because we need both men and women actively pursuing Christ in this body to become all that God has called us to be. Uh, godly men and women should be visible partners in the corporate life of the church. Uh, they should be deploying their diverse gifts for the good of the body. Uh, simply put, all Christians contribute to the ministry here at the church. Whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, it does not matter. The church cannot prosper without brotherly, sisterly partnership the church cannot thrive where men flourish and women do not, and vice versa. So I want to be very clear on that, okay? So with all that being said, we do see in Scripture, uh, in, in a couple of places, we, we see it very clearly where it's called to be men. 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 5, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 5, Titus chapter 1, uh, 1 Peter 5. There's several places, uh, let me see, I said 1 Peter 5, uh, 1 through 2. Um, there's several places, I mean, we could dive into it, but there's spe uh, specific scriptures that talk about men, and it's very, very clear in the original text, the gender, and so they're called to lead. Now, I also want to tell you, ladies, we also teach it the other way around. Um, it's no different than marriage. If we lead the way the world leads, it's not going to work. But if we, if we lead the way Christ works, uh, the way he led, then it works. And that's servant-style leadership. And the way that we see this church is it's flipped upside down because Jesus flipped everything upside down. And so we have you guys. We have our, our pastors and elders are below them. We have our, even you guys, volunteers, right? Servant leaders, ministry leads. And then we're way down here. And so actually to be an elder would be one of these guys. You're actually demoted several times. That's what, because you're becoming the servant of the servants at that point. And so we lead with that style of servant-style um, leadership, that, that type of heart, and that's the way Christ did. Christ got on his knees, and he washed the feet of the disciples, and that's what we do here as well. And so I believe, whether, you know, if you struggle with that, that we say, no, it's men being pastors or men being elders, I want you to know that our, the style of leadership here should be Christ-like. And I don't think anyone has a problem with that style of leadership. I think actually we're all going to thrive in it. If you have questions, more questions about that, I'd be happy to go in more detail with you. Yeah, definitely. If you have questions, come come talk to Don. Um, and we have we do have ladies in leadership. Thank you. I right? like how you sold me so, out. I sold you out. <laughs> come talk to Don. All right. I got it. I got it. Go for it. And, and the last little topic we're going to cover, uh, you notice we got this big thing in front of us. It's partially filled. Um, it's awesome. It's a brand new baptismal tank. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and we're really excited tonight. We have a, a service tonight at 6 o'clock, um, child dedication and baptismal service. We'll kind of get this thing uh, off and going and used, christened, I guess, yeah. Um, we're really excited about it. It's big enough that we can probably baptize four or five people at once if we need to. So bring lots of people, get them in. 
Um, some of the questions we had is just, uh, why do you need to be baptized? Um, what does, does baptism clean your sin? Uh, you know, those sort of questions, you know, why, why did God want us to do this? Um, in the few moments that I have, let me just give you a quick thing. Um, baptism is an outward statement of the inward decision we follow, we've decided to follow Christ. That's the whole thing of it. It is not an issue of salvation. You are saved when you decide to follow Jesus. When you confess to him and you ask him to be in your life, uh, we can go through lots of scripture on that, Romans 10, 9, others will cover it. Baptism is something we do out of obedience to Jesus. It's a humbling experience, something unique that the church does. Um, it's one of the few things that if we were to, I always say it this way, if we were to teleport in time somebody from the first century here, they would be completely confused by our church service except when we started baptizing. They would completely understand what we're about. And so it, it's something that we get to connect with the past and connect with people all over the world being baptized. Um, again, sometimes people ask, you know, really, does it clean your sins? Doesn't it take care of it? Uh, do you have to be baptized? Because some people have gotten that from their past. My example is just from Easter. At Easter, Jesus was up on the cross. There were two guys next to him. Uh, one of them, uh, they were both thieves or rebels or depending on translations. One of them spent his time basically looking at Jesus, mocking him and saying, if you're really son, God's son, save yourself, save us. The other one kind of got it. The other one realized who Jesus was, and even there on the cross, he said, you know, we're, we're getting what we deserve. You don't deserve this. Jesus, will you remember me? And at that moment, Jesus looked down, and he looked down at all the Roman centurions, and he said, okay, you need to take this guy down. You need to go baptize him, because that's the only way he's going to get to heaven. Eh, that's not really in the story, right? What Jesus did instead is he just said, yes, you're going to join me in paradise today. And so Jesus, it, it didn't need, he did this, this thief did not need to be baptized. Jesus knew that. He said, you've given your faith to me, you believe in me, and that's what's going to save you. And so uh, baptism is something, again, we do out of obedience. It helps us grow. Um, if you are interested in being baptized, we have uh, uh, some people already who've been through a class and stuff. It's a simple class. You've gotten the nuts of it in the last three minutes. Um, but if, uh, if you are interested in being baptized tonight, please come see me right away after the service. We would love to have more people jump in the tank and get wet tonight. Um, if you're not totally sure about it, we can, we can have a conversation. We are doing these baptism services um, the second week of the even number of months throughout the year. So every two months, we're going to have a baptismal service, and we'd love to have more and more people be baptized. So that's a wash on baptism. That's a wash on baptism. Okay. Good job. Good. Yeah. All right. Ah. Okay. All right. With uh, I think that wraps it up. Hey, we did it in our time uh, this week. So let me uh, let me close this in a word of prayer, uh, and then we'll uh, give you a couple announcements, and we'll send you out the door today. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, just as your people. God, we gather here, uh, just trying to pursue you and everything that we do and say. And Lord, we I, we pray that as we talked here today, that this wasn't. This didn't turn us away, but this drew us closer to you. Uh, Lord, for those who struggle with something that was said, I pray that uh, you just meet with them, help them find that answer, Lord. Help them to even come and, and have us have a conversation with them, Lord. We don't want anyone leaving here today confused or frustrated. We want everyone 
to walk out here with a stronger foundation scripture. Lord, I pray that uh, as we leave here today, that you would give us opportunities, your hands and feet to the world around us. God, I pray for each person in this room. I ask that you would bless them, that you would strengthen them and embolden them this week, and that, that uh, they would look for you every day to open doors, to be able to speak your name, to be able to share with somebody how much you mean to them and what you've done in their life. Lord, we pray that we would be able to foster relationships with people who don't know Christ. And that, uh, Lord, each and every one of us would be leading people to Christ, that we would be raising them up in you and being true disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, we just pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless.